my album Prairiography, which is still a lot of my fans' favorite record of mine, uh, I used an old grain silo, a giant concrete cylinder. It's about 100 feet tall and uh, maybe like 30 feet across or something. We just we used that as our reverb tank, so we ran everything through the through the grain silo. It's pretty cool. So it has a very distinct sound that record, and we we actually put pretty much every. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. We have another fun episode for you this week. We head north of the border to talk with Canadian country artist Del Barber. He's got a new album out, Almanac. You can check that out on streaming platforms everywhere. It's a fun listen. I recommend it. But before we get to that, up next is Tasting Notes with Chad Watson. And do consumers, uh, bourbon consumers, really care or need to care about the awards the brands get? Find out next. Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us once again on Tasting Notes, it's Chad Watson. You might know him as AKA My Daily Bourbon on Instagram and other social media, I believe as well. He's part of the Bourbon Life crew. Welcome back. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Good times as always. Absolutely. And, you know, I didn't really let you rant on the last one. It was more <laughs> just a casual conversation about grilling, good summer pours, things like that. So I felt bad. So I think it's time for you to rant because I feel like if you're not ranting with me, you're missing an opportunity to get some things off your chest. It's true. I have, without you, Jonathan, I don't know who I would rant to. Just random people on the street. Yeah. Listen, have you heard about bo- Budget Bourbons yet? What about Bottle of Bond? Maybe that could be a new series for you on My Daily Bourbon. <laughs> you know what? If, if I go See? to uh, if I, you go to like a big city like outside Kentucky, like Nashville or Chicago or somewhere, that might do some good. You know. See, see, who knows? A little street talk with Chad, but today, but today's topic though, I think is a fun one because it's kind of that season. Granted, I feel like it's all all year round when you see brands talking about the awards they won wanting double gold or this or that. And it got me thinking, I saw a brand the other day got some stuff and I was like, there's no way they got that realized it was for their, for other things besides their, their juice. It may have been marketing and other, other stuff. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a little better. Yeah. But do, do awards matter to consumers? Cause clearly they do to brands, but, but should they matter to consumers as well? So I'm going to start this off on a, on a low note. Um, so yes and no, um, people, okay. So when you go into a store, like you, you or I, and we see an award, we're just kind of like, okay. But then we're also like, you see, you're like, how did they win that? But here's what people don't know. Best packaging, best bottle, uh, best marketing plan or whatever uh, strategy. There's all kinds of things in there and they'll just put, we got a, a gold medal. Well, what'd you get a gold medal for? They like our label. Okay. So didn't taste good. You didn't win anything there. So it's kind of a misdirection and those brands have to pay. So you go to internet, the San Francisco spirits, you have to pay to use that logo. You can't just put it out there willy nilly. You got to pay San Francisco spirits competition to use their logo because 
that's almost like an endorsement. So they, they need money back from that. So for every unit sold, because you're throwing that out, you're, they're putting that on there to sell it. So San Francisco says, we rated it, you're getting, you pay us. Everyday consumers, however, are going to go in. They're going to see that like, oh, it's got a double gold, it's got a platinum, it's got you know a triple crown or whatever. There's there's like 500 squares competitions out that like people send to, and you know there's a brand in Tennessee. I'm not going to say their name. You'll people figure it out. But they are the most awarded whiskey brand in history, and they've only been around for like this is their fifth year, fourth or fifth year. And you have to wonder how does that happen because they literally submit to every competition every category they can. So when these brands submit to this stuff, they have to be very detailed. Is it, what's the age on it? If they don't want to list the age, it just has to go into like a small batch or an uncategorized. But if they want to be the, you know, say Eagle Rare, it could be best 10 year bourbon. But if Eagle Rare is the only thing that's entered in best 10 year bourbon, it by default is the winner. So there's all these little like ways that they get around it. And the big thing that I want consumers to do is always ask more questions. So having had the retail experience in the liquor industry and people coming in, oh, well, this one, a double gold, it must be good. And I'm like, well, you know, that's up to you. Try it for yourself. But it's also a $200 bottle. Just because it's 200 bucks doesn't mean it's good. Well, they tasted it blind. Well, you know, that person tasted 59 other things that day or 100 other things that day. Or they might not even be drinking bourbon. And by the time they got the bourbon, they're like, damn, this bourbon's pretty good because all that gin sucked. So it's... Very weird to me how spirits competitions are done. And I think a lot more of them are starting to go like, okay, you're only going to do bourbon. So it doesn't shock people's palates and doesn't ruin them. But when you taste and you swish and you spit all that every day, their palates are shot. And, you know, I've known people who've done competitions and by the end of it, they're like, I I won't drink for a week. I don't want to look at bourbon. I don't want to look at whiskey or whatever they did because they're tired of it. And not that any of them have admitted to saying just agreeing because San Francisco, you get a gold. Everyone liked it. Uh, or you, you know, everyone liked it at that table. Double gold, it went through a second round. Platinum, everyone liked it in the competition or something like that. And uh, the people I know who've done that have, there have been people who've been just like, you know, by the end of it, you get to some and you're just kind of like, yeah, that's good. I agree. Check the box, this, 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 fill out the form, hand it in. And they're done because they've been there for 10 hours tasting through all that crap. And I mean, I'm not saying it's all crap, but just, you know. Situationally speaking. Uh, but to me, like, I'm like you. I see an award. Why did they get it? How did they get that? Because there's a few awards that came out this year. I'm like, there's no way that that's the best, you know, bourbon in the country. And then you look and it's like North Dakota, Styles Legion, Spirits Competition. And it's like, well, what the hell is that? Who entered that? And you look and you're like, oh, they're the only bourbon who entered that. So they won by default. So I ask people to smart, like we all have smartphones. We all have a computer in our pocket. Now, when you see that, look it up. I want everyone to always peek and peer and do the research. So not saying that you should just take it at face value. Cause some of those people in the stores, there's so many competitions out there. People just don't know, but some of those people in the store are not going to be able to give you every detail, like why they won. Cause hell, I mean, for the longest time, I didn't even know like why they won. There were some brands that, like I said, that one that it, it's a lot of times it's on label design and you've got three or four big companies making the same layer labels for all the same places. And then they all work together and you're like, well, then every brand wins on label, but it just says gold medal. So look up the spirits competition first off. Cause there's some of them that are 
like there's a wine competition that's owned by or the one of the co-owners is the winery so that winery gets like a 99 score every year they won't get a hundred but they'll get like a 99 and then you gotta wonder well look who look who sponsors look who co-owns oh well it's it's the person who owns that winery or the team behind that winery also own this wine competition so there's a lot of things in the background there's a lot of moving parts because those spirits competitions they're there it's a business they're there to make money the brands pay them not saying like, hey, Buffalo Trace says, I paid my entry fee. We deserve a medal. That's, that's not how it works. But it is a business. I'm not saying it's not fair, but I do not think that at the end of the day, overall, they matter for sales. But to a degree, I'm sure that a lot of people just walk in and they're like, oh, shit, that got an Ascot Award. I'm going to buy that. What the hell is an Ascot Award? I mean, if you don't know who Fred Minnick is and you just see an Ascot Award, you have no idea. So... This is very, very fair. And that makes me wonder then, what would be your recommendation then? Is it something like, hey, look at Whiskey Advocate or look at a, 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 a one of those places that does reviews and kind of scores things? Or maybe it's a person that you're like, oh, they seem to have a similar palette to mine. Is that maybe the best way to go about it? So if folks are looking for a little heads up? That's what I would do. I was a big fan of Breaking Bourbon and Bourboner and those websites in my early days and even some of the forums, like I, before I really got into like posting on social media and talking about bourbon, I would get on forums and just look up stuff or just Google search it. Find, excuse me, find the people who align with you because whiskey advocate, hate to say it, but they take payment for placement. You pay them enough money, you're going to get an ad. I mean, obviously you get an ad spot, but you, you'll get a ranking. You'll get this, you'll get this. Tasting notes and that kind of stuff are subjective to the person who's writing for that. Like I don't want to put that author down or that reviewer down or, anything but their rankings will come out as you know if heaven hill's got the most amount of money and they have the top five well there's a reason they got the top five but it really just depends on where who wants to spend the most out of their marketing budget for that year i what i have done is i have found the people i believe in and that changes over time you know everyone's palette changes there's people who i used to watch who i used to read even talk to you know one-on-one -on -one. um and like oh i trust what they say but then, you know, my palate goes this way or their palate goes this way. So you kind of, I mean, stay current. Like Chad and Sarah, it's bourbon night. I've been watching them for years, you know, since, since they started basically, not long after. And I've always kind of aligned with them. And even to this day, there's still things we split on. Like I love Old Force in 1910. Chad hates Old Force in 1910. I helped do a, that uh, blind series for them. And... I chose Old Forester 1910, and, and it was a blind. And I was like, this is better, and Chad hates it. But sometimes you just, you're not always going to agree. And I used to watch other people or read other people on Reddit. Reddit's a really good place, too. Um, not necessarily for, I don't want to say accurate. I don't want to put anyone down on Reddit. Like, there's several good reviewers on there. But some people just copy and paste. I've seen a lot of people who just will copy a, copy a review paste it and just kind of reword it. So, you know, you got, you got to take a period out here, put a comma in there so the teacher doesn't know that you really are just doing someone else's work. But at the end of the day, it really just boils down to like, if it interests you and you've got the disposable income, it's worth trying. But find one or two people who you really align with and go that route. Uh, I know magazines are kind of on the way out and really websites are on their way out. It's all about social media these days. And even as someone who is on the social media portion, I hate to consider myself an influencer, because brands do send me stuff and, uh, but I review it. So am I influencing or not? And this may sound like a 
you know, like I'm sticking my foot in my mouth, but if it's bad, I just won't put my opinion out there or I'll tell the brand, I don't like it. I can still post, make my post. Everything I do is free. I don't take any money. If I like it, I genuinely like it. So people were like, I tried that, didn't care for it. Okay. You know, so, sorry, but I did, or I will post something I, and I don't like it. They're like, well, I love it. Like, well, that happens. But not if you find someone who like, you know, you and I, if, if like, I like what you said 90% of the time, 90% is a good record. There might always be that one or two bottles a year, but as long as there is 70% of everything else, good reason to have a following, good reason to trust what that person says. Very, very, very well said. And, and hopefully people can tell that I'm, you know, not terrible and not always mixing my bourbon, um, even though that is part of the premise of one of our series. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> well, and I, and I love the, the, the rant here, Chad, and, and thank you as always. Thanks for letting me rant. And it, it, it's one of those topics that like I could go on and on and on forever for, but I have to stop myself so I don't get mad. <laughs> Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, he's a country artist, songwriter. His latest album, Almanac, is out now. Welcome in, Del Barber. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Now, where are you at? Up? At, are you in Canada right now? I am. I just got home. I just drove straight home from Houston. One stopover, so it was about 36 hours door to door from the venue in Houston to my, my little farm up in western Manitoba. Pretty much in the middle of Canada, uh, just slightly west of the middle. That's where I live. Yeah. I like it now. Now I'm I've I've had a few I got a few Canadian friends. They were on the golf team when I was in college, so I've got to to learn a few things. Has it finally warmed up enough for you guys to get outside a little bit now nowadays? <laughs> yeah, it's actually um, it it probably hit 87 today. 88 Ooh, it was, it was, it's hot yeah. it's like thunderstorms we never actually got rain but it was it was one of those days where it was just kind of rumbling all over us and uh but no rain so uh we're all we're looking for rain right now it's pretty dry out here so uh anyone wants to will us some rain that'd be pretty nice well we'll, we'll do our our best now oh, you know you. the show's called bar conversations and i always gotta ask what are you drinking tonight or what's your go-to drink all right, well, what I'm drinking tonight is not my go-to drink, uh, but uh, it's because of scarcity. Like I said, I just got home, and I haven't had a chance to get to town and stock up, so I am drinking uh, a gin and tonic right now. You can maybe see people can hear it. Um, it's refreshing, and uh, it's a hot day, so it actually is going down pretty nice. Uh, but generally speaking, I like cheap, very cold beer. It's my favorite drink. Um, but if I am drinking, uh, booze, I generally stick to the brown stuff and, uh, I would choose bourbon or rye whiskey would be my preferred, uh, liquor of choice. I like yeah. it. I like it. I, I was going to say, I, my, my daughter decided to try to, you know, crash the show there for a second. Nice. I've got, I got a little George, George Remus in my glass tonight. We cannot get Remus. Uh, in Canada, if if you can, I don't know how to get it. If there's Canadians out there listening, I have no idea where to get it. So let me know where. 
Well, you just got to come visit the U.S. a little bit more. Come through Kentucky, you know, Indiana, and, and and hit all the good spots. That's the plan. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do a tour based on on bourbon distilleries. I think that would be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that would be a mistake. I might come home a changed man, if you know what I mean. I don't know. <laughs> or or a whole lot less money. <laughs> Somehow the tour did not make any money as Dell bought up all the bourbon. Yeah, that's right. Well, now. Now I read where uh, you met your wife at one of your shows. Is that true? Is that's, that how you all came to be? That's how we came to be. Yep. Um, actually, about a mile from my farm here, there's these five grain elevators. It's a national historic site. They call them the Five Prairie Giants. Inglis, Manitoba is the town. If people want to look it up, and they're these beautiful old grain elevators made of. Uh, stacked two by fours douglas fur from british columbia they got put on a train they built these elevators out of it and uh she was the tour guide i and they do concerts in these things now uh to try to you know keep them erect you know try to keep them from falling over and raise money and and uh so i was coming out to play a concert in one of the grain elevators she was the tour guide and and uh the rest is history as they say now, I, I was going to say, I also think I saw, too, where, speaking of, like, those grain elevators, the grain silo, on one of your albums, did you not record the reverb in, in the silo and use some farm machinery yeah. noises on it as well? Yeah, my my album, Prairiography, which is still a lot of my fans' favorite record of mine, uh, I used an old grain silo, a giant concrete cylinder. It's about 100 feet tall and uh maybe like 30 feet across or something we just we use that as our reverb tank so we ran everything through the through the grain silo it's pretty cool so it has a very distinct sound that record and we we actually put pretty much every instrument through that and then we could choose how much reverb we wanted on that particular track uh if it's a guitar or acoustic guitar or pedal steel or whatever so i'm always i'm always interested in like trying to actually weave uh, geography uh, into my actual sound, not just metaphorically. You know, that's that's always been part of the plan for me. Well, I, I was gonna say, I mean, that, I mean, you you literally did that. Now, what spurred you on to think, let's put the farm machinery in it, in there, let's reverb this through a grain silo? Because I feel like that took a little thinking, or you you had a little bit of help from a something. <laughs> Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. I just like I take things to like the furthest conclusion that they can go to a fault. And uh, my wife hates it because if she wants to start a garden, our garden's going to be two acres. And you know what I mean? So it's uh, <laughs> so nothing I, small, nothing small. I just like go for stuff and I, and I and I just like try to figure them out as best as I can. Um, and the same goes with like making food or drinks or or uh trips with my buddies i want it i want it all i want it to be great and i, and I don't want to spare any any excitement or adventure or expense you know i like it i like it and, and like you said you, you're living up on the farm with your wife and two kids right got, got a couple young ones like i said my, my four four and a half year old was trying to crash crash the show to ask me a question that i'm sure was super important yeah. Um, but but how how how's life on the farm? Yeah, we were just we were just both putting our kids to bed before we got to have a drink together. It's pretty nice 
nighttime ritual for me when I get home. Um, yeah, and the, my my little farm here is it's just a hobby farm. Uh, but when I do have time and I'm not touring a new record and it's not terribly busy, I uh, I end up on my wife's family farm and it's it's a lot more uh, intensive. It's like five thousand acres and uh, three hundred cows and a bunch of grain land. And here at my little my little punt of a farm, it's, we're just doing meat chickens and we have some horses and and. Uh, big garden and stuff like that it's just more of an acres than anything else we have a little bit of hayland here that we cut but that's it really uh but yeah the big farming operation is um is when i'm short on gigs i end up working for my mother-in-law and father-in-law and i love it as i say that's a good good son-in-law right there well they're they're nice enough to employ me you know uh in, employing musicians is not—they're not the most reliable. Uh, we can be gone for three months and then home for a few weeks. And um, luckily, on the farm, there's no shortage of labor to be had, and and uh, and I and I do love to work, and so I get to sort of use both sides of my brain—that uh, creative side and then the the sort of get to work, put your head down and and grind. Yeah, I I really like being able to do both, and I hope that I can continue to have a life where both of those things are uh, sort of essential pieces to my personality i was gonna say i mean if you weren't doing music would you be on the farm or, or would you be out fishing somewhere or maybe I'd a, be, a, a guide of some sort <laughs> yeah i if i, I always i've joked for a long time if, if i could figure out how to make money fishing i would probably just do that uh but i also worry um i used to fish tournaments when i was a kid and and i did get to experience when it didn't become fun, when it wasn't fun, when it became work. And I'm not sure that I want to do that uh, to my fishing life. Fishing is just the place where I I get to, to, to turn off everything and be creative. And, and that's usually the place where I write the most. It's like where I'm most inspired is when I fish. Um, or hunt for that matter and and so I, like just time outside for me is key no matter what it is yeah do you like to fish at all are you are you an angler i i am not i don't have that skill i i'm a golfer and i i oh, enjoy yeah. though getting out on the on the water and being being on a boat well they you know there's a lot of i was just down in colorado and uh there's a lot of there's a lot of people who fly fish like me and they, they, they seem to like attract golfers as well. That sport. Uh, there's something I, I've got similar. a couple buddies that do that. Yeah. Yep. There, there's something similar about the two pursuits, the precision, uh, the frustration, dealing with frustration. Um, the ability to have a drink on occasion. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, figuring out little problems. Uh, I love, yeah, I'm not much of a golfer. I golf here. We have a we have a par three course, which is actually a beautiful par three course. But it's like one of those small town courses. It's cheap. It's where you go hang out with your buddies and you have a beer and you you walk around and you hit some irons. It's pretty fun. I don't get out golfing nearly as much as I'd like to. That's for sure. I, I would love to get into fishing more, especially for like my daughter. Um, I need to get her to not be terrified of worms and things like that. So we yeah. we we might have to get her out of the city a little bit. <laughs> she she tends to have a, a meltdown when there's a, a bug or a worm and it's kind of funny but also i'm like we got to work on that <laughs> yeah my kids just want to cut the worm in half and 
They'd have no trouble with bugs. Uh, unless, like, we have what they call biblical bugs in where I live. Um, not yet, but in about a month, the mosquitoes are going to be so bad that you can't even go outside at, like, at dawn and dusk. They're just absolutely biblical, as they say. Um, and then in the summer and months, in July and August, the, our fly problem gets pretty serious, especially because we have livestock around, so it just attracts flies. And, uh, yeah, and we, our kids are not afraid of bugs, but, but they do come in just covered in bites and it's like a lot for us to deal with in the post game, you know? And so, uh, we oh, try, yeah, yeah. try to, you got to check everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we they seem to get in, into everything. <laughs> yeah. Bugs are a funny one. I, I have, I have just like, I have no trouble with ticks or mosquitoes or black flies. I just have this like high tolerance and like by the end of the year, bites don't even show up on me anymore from mosquitoes i just become a blood donor and uh i don't even worry about them anymore uh yeah i don't know i'm just like i don't really think about them and then i go out with people it's you're you're just a true farmer they just spend true outdoorsman their life in the city and 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 even like a lot of people out here that just like they can't deal with them they just they get completely ravaged so i am one of the lucky ones for sure yeah, I am not. I I get a little bug bite in my arm, like swells up, and I'm like, oh, oh man, fine. that's brutal. Yep, I've, I've passed that along to my daughter. She gets it like half as bad as I do, but yeah, it's oh. lovely. Yeah. So what do you do? You just wear long sleeves because you gotta you gotta run into mosquitoes <coughs> on the golf course all the time. I I, I just deal with it. I'm like, yeah, it'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, Maybe a little bug spray. Hope it works. Yeah. I, I did that. We went out to my buddy's farm, and I was like, I'm gonna spray myself down. I was, well, I was like, you should wear pants. I'm like, I'll be fine in shorts. And then we did the tick check, and they were everywhere that I didn't spray, which was basically my shorts and my boxers. Yeah, so, totally, yeah. So that was quite fun. That, that, that was quite fun. I, I learned, I was like, okay, maybe pants next time. That, that, that might be a must. Yeah, I wear pants pretty much all, unless I'm going swimming, just because of that. Just uh, trying not to catch anything from those ticks. They're pretty nasty. Yes, they, they are. Now, now, if you, when did you get into music when when did that become something that you just enjoyed i've always enjoyed it i've i've been like playing guitar since i was like 11 uh as soon as i could hold it pretty much um i never really thought it was going to be like a career path for me i've never actually admitted that it's my career you know i'm like i've been paying my mortgage by playing concerts for a decade now um so I guess it's technically my career, but I never like sat my parents down and said, this is what I'm going to do. I got this dream. I'm going to make a record and I'm going to try and tour it. And that's just never, that was just never like a reality for me. It just sort of trickled into this life. And then I wake up 10 years later on this little farm in Western Manitoba, realize like, oh, music did this, you know? Uh, so I don't know. I'm pretty lucky that that somehow I've figured it out. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'm like, I always wish I could make a little bit more money, but who doesn't, you know, it's, you don't, you don't like become a, a alternative country folk singer and, uh, expect to rake it in. That's for sure. Um, I mean, if you do good for you, but that ain't me, you know, I was going to say you, you, you are your, your own artist. And, and I've got a few questions on that here in a second, but, I'm guessing your father had a big impact on your music as well, because he was also co-writing on some of the songs with you too, right? 
Yeah, we, we wrote a lot of songs together, and he just passed oh, almost two years ago now. And and that's the biggest bummer. Uh, not only would, did I lose like a, a, a great dad and a friend, but, but I lost the guy. I would run every single song past, and and he would do the same with me. You know, we, we had this cool relationship where we could write songs with each other. And I've, I've joked a lot about it. Uh, I say if you ever want to try to write a song with your dad or with your son, uh, I recommend email because my dad and I would just fight. If we did it in person, it, it got really tense. And um, my dad's a lot of my dad's songs, everybody dies, like, flat out. They die. Like, they might not even die at the end. They, like, might die in the beginning. And and his criticism of my work is that I was always just a little bit too hopeful. And so when we got together, it was, like, a pretty good combination of, of like, equal parts uh, um, altruism and, and like, darkness uh so i don't know it's it's pretty cool to get to have that in my life and, and there's still a bunch of his old songs that i'm making my way through and trying to figure out what to do with them so it's pretty cool well i was gonna say that that's awesome because i don't feel like everyone one has that and that's a, a special bond and, and like you said so you're hoping to still still see what you can make out of it maybe maybe an album or, or who knows what could could be in the future i would love to do that i would love to do a record of, of like all the songs my dad and I wrote together um, and a bunch more that, that are sort of kicking around that we were working on. Um, I think that'd be a really easy thing for me to do and, and a really good way to sort of, uh, you know, go forward in the grieving process, whatever that is for whoever. But for me, it's like getting to spend time with them in whatever way I can now is, uh, I don't know. It's pretty important, and so I'd, I'd like to try and figure out how to do that in a more serious way. And I think a record is a great. Well, idea. Ho- hopefully, though, the, I was gonna say, hopefully, you're you're able to to find find the right way to keep his mem- memory going. And I mean, you always have the songs that you guys have been able to put out, and and you know, I, I know your dad was a big impact with being able to bounce ideas. Any musical influences out there that were or still are some of made a big impact on you too? Yeah. I mean, for me, the greatest songwriter, uh, the one that I emulate the most is John Prine. And he wrote pretty, pretty good stuff about Kentucky. My memory serves. And mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's, to me, he's the, he's, he balances the sort of comedy tragedy coin really well. Like the, that you can laugh or cry at, at the same moment of the song. And, uh, and I really just uh, want to tell stories as good as Prine you know, does and 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 um, I you know I learned a lot from listening to him, and, and he's still one of the guys that I just look back to and look at as one of the great sort of masters of of the of the thing that I'm doing. Um, I think we fall in the same. I'm I'm following in that genre, whatever that is, whatever people want to call it. If they want to call it country or Americana or folk, it sort of combines a lot of those things, and and it's that's exactly who I want to be and where what kind of stuff I want to write about. So. Well, I was gonna say. I mean, when it comes to your your writing process, what what is that like? Because I feel like you're you're a storyteller at heart. Yeah, I don't I don't really write about myself much. Um, I I'm always looking for really good stories to tell and and trying to describe the world through characters. 
Um, I just think it's the world's heard a lot of white middle class white dudes whining about their lives, and, and I just don't want to be that guy. I, I don't want to be the be the whiner. Um, so I, I do when I do write from my own perspective, it is pretty positive, and and sometimes you just have songs that just come to you stream of conscious, and you write them down. Um, but a lot of my songs. Uh, I work from an idea first or like a character first. So if I want to write a song about, about, uh, maybe like a, uh, an old woman who's a farmer who farms, she's been a, a single woman who runs a big farm for like, just uh, stories like that, that don't, that aren't particularly common, uh, trying to tell like trying to describe the world through people's eyes that 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 aren't just like the most obvious um you know and and uh just that level of particularity um it always comes from the actual person like i have a couple songs about uh gas station attendants that i've met through the years um waitresses and and it, it always comes from the actual the the story the jumping off point comes from an actual person an actual character and then and then a lot of times I don't get to know them well enough to tell their whole story note for note word for word but uh, so I end up filling in gaps to try and just to try and turn that person into an archetype into like a into something that's that does describe the world in a particular way and then so yeah I usually start I usually jump off with with a particular moment where I met somebody that is strange and interesting uh, who's also doing something pretty mundane and normal at the same time so I don't know if well, that's your question it, well and it, it does because like you said you're also this kind of unique alt country whatever you you know I don't think you can put you in a box I don't, I don't feel like that's fair because you also have some fun with some of those lyrics and, and songs that you get to play yeah man I think I don't I don't really have like a I feel like I'm an adequate singer, uh, but I don't have like a voice that is like big and juicy and low or like that belongs on the radio. I never really heard myself working on on popular radio, and and so I, I don't have to follow any of the rules. I just get to write about what I want to write about, and um, it sounds how it sounds, and uh, nobody's barking at me to to write the next big hit. I'm just I just get to like do my thing, and and uh, and roll the dice and, and hope that it's going to strike a chord with people out there, you know? And so I feel pretty lucky that, that it's worked. Um, I mean, it's always, it always feels like it's drying up and like my career is going to be over, but I think that everybody feels that way in the arts. You just like constantly dealing with the idea that, that, uh, you're irrelevant or passe or whatever it is. And, and it's hard to sort of figure out how to keep going all the time, you know, full steam ahead. Um, but uh, but that being said, I've you know just got off a pretty long tour and it went really well, and so you know I can't really complain. Well, I was gonna say you you also put out a new album, Almanac, mm -hmm. uh, that came out in April, at the very end of April. Why why the title Almanac? I just like I'm so I'm surrounded by farmers in my life, and I'm really interested in in the farmer's almanac as this this little guide to, to weather and, and to, to seasons and planting and what to expect. And, um, and I like it because 
it does make some good predictions, mm-hmm. but we don't we don't have to take them uh, as seriously as uh, as some of the other predictions that get made. Uh, it some of the other ways we predict things and the way we do news and the way we are, you know. Um, I'm always just just super interested in, in, in almanacs because they're just like they're using they're looking at our history to figure out the way forward and I think that like pretty much every good songwriter is when they put out a record it, it is a kind of almanac it is it is the way that that they expect the world to work or descriptions of the world to help us figure out how to move forward in it and uh, yeah I don't know I that record is is like the truest, the closest I've come to like having an almanac of my own, and, and so I just called it that to to sort of speak to my agricultural roots and also to try and um, yeah be you know as rooted as as possible. You can't figure out which way to go unless you know where you're from, and and I think that that's the, the farm, farmer's almanac does, and uh, what this record tries to do. I was gonna say it's it's a it's a very enjoyable record and if you haven't listened to it, folks, highly recommend it. And what can folks expect on this record? Because there's some some cuts on there that are, I feel like a little bit of every everything. And I feel like you know, you know getting to talk to you, I'm like, I think that's just Dell. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this this record is the first time I got to like start with a clean slate. So it was, I put out this record before Almanac called Stray Dogs, which was like, I went through every notebook and every voice note and every demo I'd ever made and and just sort of collected all of that material, mined every last ounce of gold out of it, and and uh, therefore it was like a B-sides record. And, and so I didn't have anything on the back burner when I was starting to write this record. I feel like I got to write everything all at once. And it, it's the first time in my eight record career where I've been able to do that. And so I feel like it is like a, a more direct dose of where my head's at, how I see the world and the characters that are sort of running between the margins and uh, trying to tell those stories for me. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think I've, and I also, I don't know, I'm, I'm turning 40 this year in October and I feel like I'm just getting better at it. And I feel like I have some confidence uh, about how I write. And I don't feel like I need to apologize for how I write anymore. Uh, and I I don't... I'm not writing to, to sort of be somebody else. or I, I feel like I'm just way more direct and honest with, with my songs now. And um, I think that everybody who I respect and love who's older than me says it just gets more and more true that you just don't care as much what people think and um, I'm finding like a lot of really beautiful moments and just not caring and, and not being able to control what people think and, and and what I do like it's not for everybody man like and, I, and, I, and I'm okay with that and I don't know if I was okay with that when I was 25 you know I just. Uh, well, I was gonna say we 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 learn things as we get older, and one, one day my daughter will learn that when it's bedtime, it's bedtime. I don't I don't know if she, if she ever. 
I know, I know. She she's having fun. She really just wants to tell me something, and I'm like, just give me five more minutes. Just five yeah, more yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, like on this record, though, you know, I think one of my favorite songs was "I Told You So." Oh, and nice. is there some that just stood out to you that you just hit you a certain way, or or just? I know you're not supposed to say you got a favorite, but you know that might no, be no. something you enjoy a little bit more. I love that song, and uh, that that song is a perfect example of, of what I'm talking about because um, I wrote that song for my neighbor. Her husband was in a big tractor accident, and I had never lost anybody big in my life. Uh, and it was just like all of a sudden her husband was gone, and, and he left her with this big farm and, and a bunch of stuff to do, and, and, but she, and she's capable of managing all of it. But I was just trying to empathize with her about a loss that fast and that big. And, and, and so, of course, I sent it to my dad. And uh, he told me he loved it and hung up the phone really quick. And then, and then like, two days later, called me back and was like, I got cancer and, and I'm not going to last long. And, and so now when I sing that song, I have to, I have to, I have to believe those things for myself too and so it, it works on a few levels for me that song and that's why i think that song's so good because because it was it just became something that i had to actually sing from my own perspective as well as it being from somebody else's you know and and that's i just i felt like there's a bigger universality to it and uh and also it's just like doesn't try too hard it's pretty simple and, and i think my best songs are, are when they're just there isn't too much going on and and uh it's i don't know i, I love i sing that one every night now and, and it's uh it's one i look forward to singing it's like part of the set i'm just like excited about getting to every night you know yeah thanks for asking about that one well i was gonna say i mean like i said that's, that's one of my favorite ones ones off the, off the record and it's just like you said I, I think a lot of people can find themselves in it too and not and find something in their past or their life that connects with it. And I think that's really what the best part of songs that like that you, you like to do as well. Those storytelling songs where you can really see yourself in it. I really like the idea of I told you so. I think it's just like a funny phrase and there's a bunch of songs that use I told you so in it, but, but especially like, uh, from someone who's passed on or someone who, who might be just, you know, is gone in your life now or whatever it is, uh, them being able to make fun of you and, and, and remind you that they were right about a bunch of stuff. Um, I think part of the grieving process for me is also just like laughing at myself and how seriously I took a bunch of things and, um, and, you know, hearing my dad's voice, uh, remind me how little I know and, and, uh, and, and, and how right he was about a bunch of stuff in my life. And, and I, and I, I can just hear him whispering. I told you so over and over again and laughing at me, you know, and, and I, and I really have learned to love that. Uh, because when someone tells you, I told you so in, in the heat of the moment, it usually doesn't land, you know, like that's a, that's a way to, to make husbands and wives fight. And, uh, you know, when someone takes a moment and tells you that they're right and you're wrong, it's, it's tough to stomach, but but when you put space between you and, and time, I think it can be like an actual, an actually pretty gentle, uh, little funny way to to tell you that that there's maybe a better way to do some stuff, you know. So. 
there's a there's a meaning behind behind things and and clearly that's a song that you you like to perform now is there is there any others that are are some of your favorites whether they're yours or someone else's that you just always when you get the chance to perform it's it's something special or something you just always love yeah i don't know man it's like a rotating thing like and and i always like to try and figure out what the audience likes too like my favorite songs to play are generally the ones that the audience requests or or i know they're digging and and so those ones like there's that relationship that happens between audience and and performer like when you when you're kind of on the same ride together i don't know so i don't it's just it's always sort of moving around and it's like a moving target you're just trying to figure out the right songs to sing and from where you're at uh and then you know what the audience wants to hear i i always end the show with with a john prine song of some sort and lately i've been doing that's the way the world goes around and like half an inch of water and you think you're gonna drown like i just i like the st- the songs that make us realize we don't we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously so anything that does that i think is always worth singing about and uh i hope that some of my songs say that too and uh, but i know pride's always good at that so i always try to end with a song like that and like always, technical issues can be fun. They can they can make life interesting. But what what's your favorite uh, 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 thing about being on stage? About being on tour? What, what's the the best thing for you there? Well, yeah, a couple things. I love what happens when you play with a band who's really well rehearsed and and who knows all the songs and who isn't afraid to take risks. Uh, you know, you you like you write all these sets out and then you leave your band space if you're good enough to, to go places that you didn't plan on going every night. And just having that time to be musical and to like actually uh, play live and, and see what happens and take risks live is that's, that's an incredible thing to be able to do. Um, and then touring itself Man, I just love getting to hang with my friends and and uh, and see old friends from all over the world. Like, we were in the UK this year and we hung out with this old tour manager I know, and and we we were in Europe and there's just you know you're just you're seeing all these crazy places, but you're also like the biggest part about that is just like remembering all the people you met through the years and getting to spend time with them again. And uh, having beer, whiskey after the show with incredible people, you know, and and uh, that's that's the luxury of this job is just getting to meet so many weird and interesting people. And, and I hope I get to keep doing it for that sake. Well, I was going to say, like you said, you, you've been on tour a good little bit. You were on tour earlier this year for a couple months. Uh, I'm guessing you got some more shows coming up uh, here in a little bit. Anything you can tell us? Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just continuing to pound the pavement and play as much as I can. And uh, summer festival season starting right away, so I'll be I'll be out just playing shows uh, with my band this summer in Canada and, and uh, in Europe, and just doing the job. And this is usually the the most fun time of the year to play because you're playing outside and um the weather's good and generally you're you're not gone for very long you know you're like you're away for a weekend and then home and see so there's still lots of time to, to do stuff at home and to be with the family and if you're me go fishing and um and do that type of thing so 
summer is always just like a really great time to play music because you know you get paid a little more to be at some of those festivals and you don't have to like grind it out all week and and uh you know monday night at, at some empty bar it's just a weekend with a couple shows and then home so it's that's pretty uh, it's pretty great summers are awesome for sure well, and then I guess my, my last question for you is, obviously, we're just close to the halfway point of the, of the year. We're, we're almost there. What else is coming up for you? What are you hoping for the, the rest of 2023? Yeah, I mean, more tour dates. I'd like to be on the farm a little bit more. I'd just like to, to not just be thinking about music. I'd like to be a little bit more present with my kids. Um, and I'd like to, to take time at home and try to write another record. Uh just try and like put a few weeks aside and just get some ideas down and see if I can get something, get something going here. Uh, and the prospect of that is always so intimidating, you know? So I'm, I'm, at, I'm just looking down the barrel of the gun and thinking like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have another record in me, but as soon as you start working on it, things happen pretty quick. And, and for me, it's about just getting those ideas going. And, and so I got to, you know, with kids, and, and a farm and everything. I got to like carve out that time. I got to be pretty intentional about, uh, about writing. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to like open my calendar and I'm going to put a month aside and I'm just going to try to write a record. So yeah, that's what I'm most excited about most. That's my favorite part of this job is writing songs. So well, I was going to say most, most people nowadays aren't putting out a whole lot of records and you're, you're, you're already at number eight in, yeah. in your career and looking at number nine. There's no reason not to. There's no reason to not just to try and make records and, and uh gives me a reason to tour, gives me a reason to get out there and, and push uh new ideas and songs and, and uh I don't know, it's it's the reason why I have why I have a career. So uh I I can't for me it's like sitting still is the scariest prospect. I wanna be working and I have to I have to write songs in order to work. So uh yeah, I'm gonna try and make write a record I guess, as soon as possible. Yeah, <laughs> a little extra motivation, right? As as you're, totally. as you're about to celebrate 40 in in the fall. Yeah, exactly. Yep, it's a scary age to turn, well, man. I'm I'm a bit freaked out about it for sure. Yeah. I, let me know how it goes. I, I've got a couple more years. Just turned 36 a couple weeks ago, so I've got oh, a nice. couple more years. Well, yeah, you're 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 knocking at the door, so. Uh, so uh, you'll be here in no time, and uh, yeah, I wish you luck with all of the sort of psychological stuff that happened to me when I'm starting to, you know, think about 40 years old. I I never pictured myself as a 40 year old, so uh, I guess we'll see how that feels like shortly. <laughs> yeah, come October. Well, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure you'll be able to make some more more songs, be able to hit hit the road a little bit more, and hopefully spend a little more time with the family and on the farm and. And Dell, thanks for for sharing stories with me and sharing a drink with me. Man, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, yeah. Hopefully, I can come out there to Kentucky and see you guys at some point here, and you can put me on to some some of the finer uh, finer bourbons that you guys make. So we, we we've been known to make a few, and I think we can make that happen. That sounds great, man. Thank you so much. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.